All right, they did a great job, didn't they? All right. We have some funny drama people here, so fabulous. We continue our series with Dining with Jesus, and I hope uh, that sort of putting the, the uh, teaching with the meal is helpful to learn some truths that you know, I don't think that we would get other than that. And as I said, uh, many of Jesus' greatest moments were around the table, though it's often underappreciated. So we're looking at in this series, uh, rather than just the miracles, uh, but also the interaction and uh, as well as the teaching. So with that, we are doing this evening, obviously, Jesus feeding the multitude. And um, we will make it interactive. So listen, there are actually a number. This is, uh, there were two incidents of Jesus feeding the multitude, which you may know. Um, <clears throat> this one is recorded in all the Gospels, and there's another one that's uh, also recorded. But we're, I like this one because I think that it's the most personable of all of them. So in John 6, 1 through 14. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him. They saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with the disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes, then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so so many people can eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each one of them to have just a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But that, what is that for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus took the bread, the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. May the Lord bless his word to your hearts and minds this morning. Well, I, I love to see the drama uh, with the youth, because this is the only story where we see kids uh, doing this. And I think it's fabulous. But the truth is, uh, I, I think maybe I'm surprised that women are noticing who's doing the serving here. <laughs> yeah, so as well, the women are saying, you got it. The men, the disciples, interesting, isn't it? So uh, I'm surprised it's not a favorite story of more women. And a little bit of trivia, what does the word deacon mean? The Greek word, diakonos, anyone know what that means? It means table server. It is a table server, a deacon is supposed to be a table server. Why, do you say? The deacons were the ones who, who were supposed to be focused on, on uh, feeding the hungry, feeding the widows and the orphans, and that allowed the uh, disciples to do the teaching ministry, and so that's where the word deacon comes from. So, uh, all about serving, and literally a table server, and a very tangible mission and ministry that they were involved in, and it was very much part of the early church. So it's uh, interesting in this moment, as I look at this, and I shared before, but I think in a different context, but I want to drill down on some things that are just a little bit different, or a different perspective. And the first thing is, as I said before, is Jesus in this moment knows what he's going to do, but you notice that he, what does he say about Andrew, uh, rather Philip? 
He did this to test his faith, which is to stretch his faith in some translations, which I really like. And I think sometimes when there's needs in our lives, or more importantly, the needs of those around us, Jesus does that to stretch our faith. And so sometimes when we feel like we're under-resourced and, uh, and overstressed, maybe what God is doing is trying to challenge us to meet the needs. But in this moment, Jesus sees the needs. He sees the needs of the hungry people. With 5,000, it would be easy to look away. What, I mean, you just go like, that's too many to even think about helping. But Jesus saw the need, and Jesus cared. And I think the first thing this evening is just maybe to go ahead and focus on ourselves. That's okay. And to get fed and then to touch others. But I just want to ask you for a moment, what are you hungry for spiritually and emotionally? What are you hungry for spiritually and emotionally? And in your little reflection menu, you'll notice that's the first one. Where are you spiritually and emotionally hungry? And I want you to think about it. Oh, can I get some help with the pens? All right, we got ours. We got these these guys to do it. Thank you. Good to have you doing that. So think about it. If you're not hungry, I mean, maybe you need to, to think a little bit. Where, where do I need to be hungry, right? Um, because people were surrounded by Jesus, and no matter where you are in your spiritual life, there's times that we reach plateaus, and we need to hunger and thirst, as the imagery is often used in the Bible, for righteousness, right? So where are you spiritually and emotionally hungry this evening? And, uh, and then, what are you worried about in terms of resources, all right? So the next thing is Jesus seeing this need around him and caring about it. The first thing is he, he turned to Philip and he said, what are we to do? Jesus knows what he's going to do. So he could stretch Philip's faith or test Philip's faith. And, and Philip is just nonplussed. He's just frustrated. He doesn't know what. And he just says, well, if we had 200 denarii, it wouldn't be enough. And I think that's the way a lot of us feel, right? And it's, it's good to look at the disciples and say, you know, they were overwhelmed. And they were stressed and worried, too. They didn't know how it was going to happen. But Jesus did. And sometimes Jesus asked us to, to stretch us a little bit. And then Andrew was looking around. you got to give Andrew credit, even though it sounds like, well, he doesn't have faith. But he said, here's a boy that's got five loaves and two fish, right? And I think that is, is beautiful because... Uh, he sees what we have. Now, there's so many people who see what we don't have, right? See all these people dying. But he sees what we have, right? And so he says, here's a boy with five loaves and two fish. And the little boy apparently offers that to Jesus, right? And I think in our own self, what do you have that we could offer to Jesus today? So I want you just to think for a moment about the gifts that you have, all right? So we thought about the needs for a moment. Think about a moment for the gifts. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking just like Andrew, right? Well, wait, this isn't enough. Not, my gift is not flourishing enough to minister in this area. Isn't Be like Andrew for a moment. Go, like, oh, here's what I got. Here, here's what I got, okay? So I want you just to maybe write that down. And I'm challenging you to keep all of these in your Bibles and asking for God to bless them as we go through, okay? So... What are your gifts and talents like a little boy? And then, what happened? Jesus blessed them. And I think when we offer our gifts and talents, and we ask for God's blessing, then sometimes we can be means that we would never otherwise be able to. So, think for a moment 
as you lay out the gifts that you have, how you could ask God to bless them, and you never know what could happen. And, and then as they start to share this, we find that 5,000 men, now that might have been a crowd of, of twice that, we don't know, but just sometimes they just counted the men, probably here's what it is, that's how they used in terms of crowd size or whatever, but we don't, we don't know exactly, but we know that it was a lot more than five loaves and two fish would feed. So Jesus gives it to the disciples, and we know in other accounts that, that what they did was that Jesus blessed it and broke it, gave the disciples, and maybe they had baskets. And they began to take it to the crowd. It wasn't like there was enough for everybody all at once. Bam. It was as they, as they broke it and as they shared it that God blessed it and God multiplied it. And many times we have to use what we have in order for God to meet the need along the way. So where would you see that God might bless what you have that as we break it, then it begins to meet the needs of others? And I think the other imagery that's there is as we break it, it multiplies. And what don't we like most of the time? We don't like to be broken, do we? And what is brokenness? Well, brokenness is humility. Uh, brokenness is sometimes being crushed, right? Uh, brokenness is being needed and made, like uh, maybe the flour uh, that makes bread. Uh, brokenness is allowing God to, to sometimes even crush us uh, through the challenges and adversity of life. But when we allow that to happen, that becomes a fertile moment and we begin to grow. And Lent itself is a season of what? Of brokenness, of prayer, of fasting, and humility. And when we do that, just like Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days, then God can bless and multiply and meet the needs of people far beyond what we would think. And so there was enough for everything. And then I want you to notice that the next thing is that nothing was wasted. Jesus looked around. He saw that not only was everyone filled to overflowing, but there was plenty left over. And so what did he have the disciples do? Get them gather up the leftovers in 12 baskets, uh, which is a lot when you figure, I mean, probably big baskets as a matter of fact. But the big thing is Jesus didn't have anybody waste anything. And, and you know, folks, we are sometimes a, a nation and probably a world, too, of people who often waste good resources that other people in the world would, or even in our community would love to have. And so Jesus wants to make sure that everybody's needs are met. And so the disciples gather up those uh, loaves and fishes, 12 baskets. I'd love to know where those 12 baskets went. I don't think it went to the disciples. I think each disciple got to assign somebody uh, a basket to give to someone. Maybe one went to the homeless shelter, one went to the, the orphans over here, maybe just a family in need. One went to the retirement home or nursing home. But everybody was blessed from that moment. And I think in our own lives, many times when we're blessed, we want to hold on to the blessing. We want to hold on to the abundance. But as we share the leftovers and the abundance that God has blessed us with, then the needs are blessed, and uh, what we do, the service is multiplied. So today, as we continue our little series, uh, how can you meet the needs of others, and, and, and what leftovers do you have? What leftovers do you have? Maybe not food, but maybe food, right? And where can we touch others? I know they need folks to you know, provide dinner at the loan shelter. I know transitional housing, people can take resources over there. Uh, we were so blessed to just take up an offering for Ukrainian refugees, and uh, we had a $1,000 match, and so that was multiplied, and that's blessing people even now 
over in Ukraine. And so that those funds went over there, and, uh, and we can share. And I feel good about that. I feel good about putting that offer again. I know uh, you folks did too. We really gave out of our abundance, but there's lots of needs. And sometimes it's just the person next to us. So think about your time and your treasure and your talents, the three areas that we always think about. And think about, where's a little bit of leftover that I can share with someone else, right? And uh, bless someone else. So, um, and then, uh, Jesus is the bread of life. And Jesus says that in just a few verses after this, as Jesus is explaining. And he gives the example of the Israelites in the wilderness who wandered for 40 years and how they were fed on a daily basis by God, blessing them with manna and quail. And so Jesus says that, that God meets our daily bread. And of course, in the Lord's Prayer, what does it say? Give us today our daily bread. And it's interesting because Jesus knew in this moment, uh, sometimes, I mean, there's time to fast. But then there's times if you're hungry, you really need to feed that hunger before you can be ministered to spiritually. And I think that's something that's important. Notice in the Lord's Prayer, what does it say? <clears throat> give us this day our daily bread before it is, forgive us our debts, Right? And as we forgive our debtors. And many times we need to help people around us. Uh, we'd like to maybe meet their spiritual needs, but it, when we take the step and we meet their physical and emotional needs, then we have bounty and blessing for the spiritual needs. So think for a moment about uh, maybe our daily bread as we walk with Christ, and He is our daily bread, our sustenance. Uh, bread is one of the most universal symbols out there. And so God is our, is our daily bread, even as we wander in the wilderness, and God provides our daily bread with us. I want to take a moment now, and we have, miraculously enough, not only do we have youth, but I have just one packet of five loaves and two fish. And I'm going to say a little blessing over it, and let's see if there's enough for all of you. And I don't want you to eat it yet. I want you just to think about it, pray about it. Lord, we thank you for this moment when you fed the multitude step by step by using a gift that just a young boy offered of five loaves and two fish. And when you blessed it and broke it, it was multiplied as the disciples joined in ministry. And I even believe the youth joined in the ministry that day. So we pray your blessing in this moment as we think about the spiritual truth. All right. Amen. Everybody said amen. Here, I'll give you one. Oh, dang it, here. Do you need one? I'm good, thank you. Do you need one? All right, is everybody ready? All right, I invite you to take a loaf, a Ritz loaf, all right? And I want you to think for a moment. Guys, youth, why don't you join us in this moment, okay? Go ahead and get a cracker, if you would. And I want you to think, of, you to think about for a moment. Christ is our daily bread, our sustenance to us. And think about the symbol of the Israelites wandering the wilderness and how God blessed them each and every day, but they learned to trust God. So taking this bread as the bread of Christ and knowing that Christ is our daily sustenance. Will you join me? Go ahead and grab a fish. Now, the fish 
early Christians was a symbol of discipleship. Why? Well, a number of the disciples were fishermen, but God called them to be fishers of men. And so getting fish into the boat has always been a symbol of Christians sharing, focus for a second, of sharing the good news of the gospel. There's something else, okay? The word fish is what in Greek? Ethus, that's right. Ethus, also, each letter stands for something, a message about the names of God. So the I is for Jesus, okay? The Chi is for what? For Christ. The Theta, or TH, is for Theos, which is God. And U stands for Weos, which is, stands for Son of God. And S, the Sigma, stands for Savior. So it's a symbol of discipleship. So I invite you to take this fist as symbols of being disciples of Christ. My challenge is not only to finish the rest of those, because dessert will be served, but I'd like you to be challenged to think about your daily walk with Christ, as Christ said. I am the bread of life and being a disciple that brings others to Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.